The Secret Church podcast is a resource from Radical.net. For the Secret Church 11 study guide and other resources that go along with this audio, visit Radical.net slash SC11. This is Secret Church 11, episode 9. All right, gospel and polygamy. Some might wonder why this is even worth mentioning, because it doesn't seem like it's that big a deal here, but this is an issue huge around cultures around the world. Let me ask you a question, and, and I'm going to get you to answer back to me all at one time, okay? Okay, here's the deal. Say you're in, a, uh, you could be in a, a, a tribal context in Africa, or maybe a Muslim village in Asia, and you have the opportunity to lead someone to Christ who is a polygamist. He has five wives. So how do you counsel him when it comes to his wives now? Should he provide in every way for all five of those wives, financially, sexually, in every way for all of his wives? Yes or no? You ready? Okay, on the count of three, you got to yell it out, okay? Should he provide for all five of his wives? Even those who are in different places, all right? You ready? And don't think, well, I'm not going to do it and see what others say. No, this is it. We're all in this together, all right? All in this together. Here we go. Should he provide for all of his wives? One, two, three. All right, all right, let's see. All right, gospel polygamy. Okay, just to make sure we're on the same place and plane here, polygamy, having more than one wife at a time. And it's all over Scripture, particularly the Old Testament, over 30 different references to polygamy. Four chapters into the Bible, we got... Lamech, who takes two wives. Then you have Abraham, Esau. You got poor Jacob gets married. He thinks to Rachel, but then he wakes up in the morning, rolls over, and he sees Leah. That would be odd. That would be odd. So Laban had deceived him. Jacob worked out a deal to take Rachel too in exchange for another seven years of service. So you got polygamy in the Bible, even among the patriarchs. So does the, does the Bible, does God endorse polygamy? Well, let's think about this. Polygamy and God from the very beginning. Just as we've seen, there is unequivocally clear divine pattern for marriage one man one woman one husband one wife it's a picture genesis 2 proverbs 5 first corinthians chapter 7 in addition to that divine pattern you never see polygamy ever one time praised as a good thing in the bible in fact you see the opposite the divine prohibit prohibition of polygamy most clearly in Leviticus 18.18, 18, you shall not take a woman as a rival wife, wife to her sister, uncovering her nakedness while her sister is still alive. There's a lot of discussion about Leviticus 18, because Leviticus 18 before they're around this talks about incest. Some people have discarded this. It's not really talking about polygamy. But the same word that's used as a rival wife here in verse 18 is, I bring it in in 1 Samuel 1, 6 to talk about Hannah's rival wife, Peninnah. Not a biological sister, but sister in the sense that they're both Israelites, but a rival wife, a second wife. Then you go to Deuteronomy 17, 17, where God strictly warned the future king or kings of Israel not to acquire many wives for themselves. So you have these biblical prohibitions of polygamy. Why? Well, just like we were talking about a second ago, it all starts in the heart. Polygamy breeds idolatry. Solomon takes the cake with 700 wives, 300 concubines, Many of whom were taken from other nations for political purposes. But he went directly against Deuteronomy 17, 17. And indeed his heart turned away from the Lord in idolatry. And polygamy brings disharmony. Some of the major disharmony we see in Scripture, particularly among the patriarchs, deals with a husband and his wives. So we see a divine pattern for marriage in Scripture, divine prohibition of polygamy, and then we see the divine provision for polygamists. So much like divorce, for example, was divorce part of God's original design? No. 
was a result of sin, a result of the fall in the world. Consequently, God made provision for how to address divorce. In the same way, polygamy, a result of sin, consequently, God made provision for how polygamists should act. Now, Deuteronomy 21 helped protect against favoritism among wives. And some have taken that passage and said, well, there it is. God endorses polygamy. But this is not an endorsement for polygamy. Any more than regulations about divorce are an endorsement of divorce. When this passage starts by saying, if a man has two wives, that's just giving guidance. This is case law for a certain circumstance. Just like when you see in Exodus 22, if a man steals an ox or sheep, that doesn't mean God is advocating theft. No, he's addressing what needs to be done when this sin happens. So this is not an endorsement for polygamy. This is simply compassion for people who find themselves in sinful polygamous situations. God's doing what he does throughout scripture, using sinful people in sinful situations to show his grace and his mercy and providing for them. So he provides, wants to make sure that wives, there's not favoritism. They are provided for in the case where this has happened, not because he's endorsing it, because he loves his people. So polygamy in the church. You go to the New Testament and the stance is pretty clear. A polygamist cannot be a church leader. Evident all over the New Testament. Overseer, elder, must be a husband of one wife. Deacons, each must be the husband of one wife. So that's clear. But can a polygamist be a church member? And there's nothing in the New Testament that seems to warn against that. So yes, based on scripture, a polygamist can be a church member. Polygamy doesn't disqualify somebody from the kingdom of grace, which leads to polygamy in the gospel. On the one hand, the gospel compels us to avoid polygamy. To follow the divine pattern. Polygamy defies, defies that pattern and distorts the picture of the gospel. So in Christ, we're compelled to avoid polygamy, to honor Christ. But what about the person who's already polygamous, like we were talking about? The Bible encourages us to encourage polygamists, first and foremost, be saved by Christ, share the gospel with polygamists, be saved by Christ. But what happens when they do? How do you encourage them concerning their wives? And based upon scripture, it seems that our encouragement would be for them to be faithful to their wives, all of them. Nowhere does scripture call a husband to cast off his wife. Scripture calls us to love, care for wives. And so, so even though it's not God's design, there's provision out of God's compassion for his people, just like we saw in the Old Testament, for needs to be met of all wives in a way that shows them love and honor for the Lord who created marriage. At the same time, to encourage polygamists to be opposed to any and all future polygamy. Be faithful to your wives until the next generation or until death do you part, but never do this again and preach one wife to everybody you know so that God may be glorified in monogamous marriage, the gospel and polygamy. When it comes to the gospel and pornography, oh, I've struggled with how to address this because, brothers and sisters, we we know it's not like there needs to be a case built that this is sinful. And yet, I mean, statistics estimate half of men in the church keep running back to it or addicted to it in some way. So, so I, I don't presume that anything I say in my own words tonight is going to change that in your life. But, but I have prayed for this just next couple of moments that, and just simply reading some different scriptures and applying the gospel to pornography that God might... Deliver people tonight and free people and cause people to flee. So, what I've done is I've taken the five elements of the gospel that we started with tonight, and just for each one of those five, just put in two, two words of encouragement, gospel exhortations based on that element of the gospel. That if, if polygamy is a, or if pornography is, 
something that you are involved in, engrossed in, pulled toward, that you would, you would meditate on these things in the days to come. And you would just receive them tonight. I'll just read some scripture. I'm going to make very little commentary in between here. 1 Peter 2.11 Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which war against your soul. Take every thought captive to obey Christ. Ten gospel exhortations. Character of God. Brothers and sisters, cultivate unshakable zeal for the glory of God's name. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Desire His glory more than you desire pictures and images. Acknowledge your sexual drive as a good gift from a gracious God. It is good to have desires. God made you that way. So, enjoy them in the context of a wife, Proverbs 5. And guard. And 1 Corinthians 7. Married brothers. So some single men think, well, when I get married, this won't be a problem. Married men struggle with this all over the place. Married brothers, guard against sexual sin with good sex. Enjoy your wife in sex. 1 Corinthians 7, 3. Husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights and likewise his wife to his husband. One of the best ways to fight pornography on the internet is through sex with your spouse in the bedroom. Acknowledge your sexual drive as a good gift from a gracious God. We are sexual beings and this is good. Sinfulness of man, exhortation number 3. Run. Run, run from every temptation, knowing that one sin is enough to warrant infinite damnation. It was one sin in Genesis 3. They ate a piece of fruit, and from that one sin came condemnation for all men. All world wars, holocaust, murder, violence, rape, natural disasters, tsunamis, earthquakes, tornadoes, they all came from one sin. So, minimize the fact of one sin. Run from it. Guard yourself with godly friendships and gospel accountability. We are sinful and we need each other. Exhort one another every day that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. Surround yourself with brothers and sisters who will spur you on toward Christ and by the grace of God and the word of God help guard you from yourself. You and I need to be guarded from ourselves character of Christ, which is where we need to push one another to. Five, contemplate the price Christ paid for your purity. See him writhing on a cross in agony. Fight tempting images with that image. See him, not them. First Peter 1, 13 through 19, prepare your minds for action. Set your hope fully on the grace that will give, be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Know that you are ransomed, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Contemplate the, the price Christ paid for your purity and fix your eyes on Him, not them. Then consider the compassion Christ has for the souls of men and women. Love and pray for them. Don't exploit and abuse them. Women or men in pictures are people. They are not objects. They are souls. Love and pray for them. Do not exploit and abuse them. They need you to point them to Christ, not fuel their exploitation. Their eternity is at stake. Consider the, the price Christ paid for your purity. Consider the compassion Christ has for their souls. Fourth component of the gospel, the necessity of faith. Believe that God is for you. He's 
for you. He's for you. He's for you. And he knows what is best for you. In calling you away from pornography, He's calling you away for your good. He knows what is best for you. Believe that. That He is good. And He will give us everything we need. Everything our souls truly desire. Believe that God is for you. So how do you grow in your trust for Him? Memorize and meditate on Scripture. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Fight the fight of faith with the weapon of the word. Memorize these scriptures or others like them. Lodge them deep within your heart. Take up the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit and fight the flaming arrows of the evil one. Don't give up. Persevere. 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 Press on in light of the urgency of eternity. Stakes in this battle are high, brothers and sisters. Ponder the eternal danger and destruction associated with sexual sin. Uh, that's just, it's all of them. Just read through those. Don't be counted among the dogs in hell. This is not a game. This is not a game. Ponder the eternal danger and destruction associated with sexual sin. It damns. It, it damns. Run from it. Last exhortation, best exhortation, in light of the urgency of eternity, ponder the eternal delight and joy associated with future salvation. You have been saved to delight in God, and one day that delight will be full. So look forward to that day, long for that day, knowing that in His presence there will be fullness of joy. We want to be counted among, on that day, on that day. The gospel and pornography. Thank you for listening. You can find more episodes from Secret Church and thousands of other free resources at Radical.net.